0: On to chapter five in this John uh, series, Believe and Live. We move on to some new beginnings. I know we've talked about a lot of beginnings, but the, today we're going to be talking about the new beginnings specifically in one man's life, the healing in his life, and then a different new beginning with the hatred of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, I'm already giving you the two points that you're going to be writing down. I've got a few slides, but I do not have the slides up there for the scripture. So you definitely want to have the Bibles open in front of you or your phone or tablet. But again, I say, let's honor God's time today. And if you're using your phone or your tablet for the scripture, stay off the game, stay off Instagram or anything else. Let's focus on God. Amen. So, as we get into this scripture today, what we're going to see is the third work or sign or miracle of Christ. And it's a great miracle. It's what some would say one of their favorite miracles to read about the healing at the pool of Bethesda. And what we're going to see, I love this. One pastor said, We see an impotent man who is healed by the omnipotent Christ. Kind of a tongue twister. So let me say it again. It's also a great one to write down. What we see today in today's scripture is an impotent man who is healed by the omnipotent Christ. Now, let me explain that a little bit, because some of you might be saying, impotent, isn't that just like a bad thing? What's that mean? Or omnipotent? That's really confusing. There's kind of, that's a churchy word, but it's a really powerful word. Because that's what it means. Omnipotent. It means all powerful. And impotent. The Oxford Dictionary defines as unable to take effective action, helpless or powerless. So what we're going to be reading about is simply that. We're reading about a man that's laying beside the pool of Bethesda who's unable to take action. He's ineffective, or he seems powerless. And he has many excuses, and so do we have many excuses today as well. We will see the omnipotent Christ, the all-powerful Christ comes into the picture to help this impotent, this disabled man. Disabled sounds a lot better, but the other one did help with the point this morning. J. Vernon McGee, some of you like that old time pastor, I love the way he preaches, the way he expositates the word of God, the way he talks too. I wish I had his voice. He says about this scripture, about this man, he got a well body and then would receive a well soul. Scripture is very different here. It's not that he had such great faith and because of that he was healed. No, he was healed without even knowing who this man was. And then later on, he finds out who this man was that healed him. We'll read that. Jesus would heal this man, not because of his faith, but just to show his mercy and grace. But the Jews, the religious leaders of the day, they were not impressed. In fact, they wouldn't even give any bit of time to think about this case, to think about the law, to think about the miracle that happened. They would just get angry and would oppose Christ until roughly two years later he'd be on that cross let's read from today's scripture follow along in the word that's in front of you i'll take a few breaks to talk about what we're reading but i'll try to limit it john chapter 5 verse 1 to 17 we read this after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem after this it's important to think about the words you're reading and after this it's indicating that jesus was continuing to work continuing to teach continuing to do miraculous things. And after all these things we've been reading about, but not necessarily just immediately after where we just came from with the other healing of the man's son and with the woman at the well, they actually think that Jesus is coming into town. Remember, at the well, he was kind of detouring to get away from the crowds, to get away from the attention of the Pharisees. Well, now he's coming back into the public eye, Because something important is happening It says after this there was a feast of the Jews Now it really doesn't matter to the point of the sermon today What feast it was But most commentators believe it's the Passover Which if that's the case It would be roughly 12 months from where we last left off And roughly AD 28 And about uh, just a couple years before Jesus would die upon that cross Let's read forward after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and now you got that background, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Now, this pool's name, named by no coincidence, Bethesda takes from that name a meaning of the pool of kindness or the pool of mercy, or some would call it or think of it as the pool of healing because of what would generally be reported of happening in these waters you see they believe that these waters when they get stirred up maybe by a natural spring below or by miraculous supernatural powers we don't know exactly but most believe it was actually by a natural spring they believe that these pools would heal people so hundreds of people at any given moment would normally be next to the this pool waiting for that water to start be stirred up so that they might try and hurry up and get in it to be the first one to get in and possibly quite possibly healed it's it's thought that during a time like a great feast like a passover there might have been thousands of individuals which might have been crammed into this section to try and be healed you know it's interesting you should google sometime the pool of bethesda because Archaeologists have discovered its location. It's interesting to see just how little that space would be. And to think of hundreds or possibly a thousand people crammed into that space. But we can also think of our own lives. How do we cram into little spaces to try and find healing or hope? And sometimes in all the wrong places. What you're going to see here is there's this man laying beside the pool and he thought he needed that water and he could never get to that water. All you need is Jesus, and that's all we need as well. Before we move on, I do want to make one quick other note. If you look down at your Bibles, after verse 3, you may notice there's no verse 4. Now, if you're using the KJV version, some of the older translations, they do still have that in it, but most translations have removed that verse. And the reason being is they found thousands now of, of the original manuscripts of the Bible, and that simply is not there. So they've removed it from the more modern translations. That's the reason being. Let's read more. Verse 3. Let's start back at verse 2 because I took a quick little break there. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gated pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades like perches with roofs to protect those who are sitting around the pool. And in these lay a multitude of invalids or, or disabled individuals, or some scriptures use the word impotent blind lame and paralyzed verse 5 now one man was there who had been an invalid disabled impotent for 38 years 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and the greek word gives behind that gives reference to a supernatural knowledge Jesus just saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there a long, long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus simply said to him, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked i love the immediacy there there's no like he starts to feel a little bit better and then the next day a little bit better and then the next day no after 38 years of being helpless he immediately takes up his bed and walks now Scripture here tells us in front of us, now that day was the Sabbath. And this is where that, the whole problem begins here. The next beginning of persecution, opposition of hatred. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. Now, I didn't write this in my notes to, to talk about later, but can you imagine if somebody just healed you after 38 years and this man tells you, get up and walk now, carry your bed away, take it away. Can you imagine just continuing to lay there? No, he wanted to walk. He was joyful. But that was a problem in the Pharisees' eyes. They believed that was a breaking, a stretched law. They had stretched out of the Sabbath to work on the Sabbath instead of resting. And it says, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. I'm sorry, verse 12, they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And verse 13, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. But verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Send no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working We start today with point number one, the healing of Jesus to an impotent man. We have two beginnings that we're speaking of today. Actually, I added a third one, but we're going to work through these fast. One, the beginning of the healing of this man. Jesus asked this man, this disabled man, an impotent man, a helpless man in many ways, he asked him, do you want to be healed? Some translations use the word well. Do you want to be healed? well. And this man, he didn't just say yes. He had excuses. You know, I I thought about this. I thought we have many excuses which get in the way of us doing the work of God. I wrote down, we have excuses and they get in the way of what God truly wants us to do, or at the very least, they are distractions. And yes, excuses are distractions which may get in the way of greatness. Let me say that again. Excuses are distractions which may get in the way of greatness. We must look not to excuses, but look to answering Jesus. This man had excuses. I want to point out these excuses and how they relate to us today. Because we have excuses. And when this man should have just answered, Yes, I want to be healed. Can you heal me? Can you take me down? Nope. Jesus asks a simple question. Do you want to be healed or do you want to be well? And this man, he first says this. Let me pull up the slide here as I forgot to be um, transitioning. Dave, are you back there? Can you do it? So he first says, I have no man. If you look down at your scripture there before you, He says, I have no man to take me to the water. I have no man. You know, we often use the same type of excuses as we say, there's no one around to help me. And in this, we show a dependence upon others. We can't help ourselves and we can't just ask God to help us. We think we need somebody else to do all the work. Or next we see, he said at the second part, He said, when the water is stirred up. And we say the conditions just have not been right yet. It's not the right time. And in this, we put more importance on circumstances instead of the greatness of God. We say, I'll do it later when when it's a better opportunity, when the circumstances are still right. I'm just not at a right time yet. Or he said, to put me in the pool. Notice that next part, to put me in the pool. He places all the powers of the healing in this water instead of Christ, instead of God, instead of his power. And we do the same thing. We go looking for solutions to all of our problems and everything but God. Ask yourselves, how often is God the first one you cry out to and you pray for for help in times of need compared to calling up that buddy or looking on the internet or going to Facebook He said to put me in the pool. This is the wrong place in my life. Whether physically or metaphorically, we limit God to only be able to work in certain locations. Then finally, he said, while I am coming, and I think this is the worst one, while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Does that sound familiar? We say, someone is always getting in the way of me getting right with God, or me getting my life straight. I'm trying to get my life straight and then something happens. Somebody get in the way. Some, something got in the way. Something blew it all up. All my plans go down the drain. We blame others for past and current failures instead of taking responsibility and focusing on the present and the future possibilities for new beginnings. We simply answer Jesus's call upon our life. Jesus says, do you want to be well and Jesus still asks this today. If we're not well, it may simply be because we're not seeking out Christ. Now, I'm not speaking from a physical standpoint here. Please understand me. Sometimes our physical issues are also because we're not following Christ. We're not following God's righteous ways. If you're dealing with headaches every morning because you got a hangover because of getting drunk last night, yeah. You should have been following God's ways and not getting drunk last night. There are consequences to our actions and there are consequences to sin. But what I'm specifically speaking of is not following God's ways and causing ourselves issues of not being where we should be spiritually. God wants to give all the great blessings of a new beginning, a newness of life, a life eternal. But we must live according to his ways, not the world's ways. We must throw away all the excuses and instead just look to Jesus. And that's what this man needed to do. This man gave excuses, but Jesus, he looked to his heart and he freely gave the healing that he needed. And this healing was a full healing. Let's talk about one other thing. Many claim that God must not be a loving God For how could a loving God condemn such multitudes of people? But the problem here also isn't God. It's people with their excuses, with their distractions, with their lack of focus. God is there wanting them to turn to him, wanting them to confess he is Lord and follow him. We must get rid of the excuses and see the new beginning that Christ wants to give us in our life. Now, let me get back to my notes here. Let's move forward. One might say that all people are in a state of waiting. Waiting, just waiting by the pool for something to happen. And every once in a while, that person, they see Christ and they they ask Christ to help them. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been at a state of waiting and you're realizing today, I need Jesus. If so, I ask you, don't wait any longer because Christ doesn't want you to wait. Or maybe you're the second type of person and second type of person is simply, maybe others are waiting on you. Maybe you know Jesus, you know Christ, you know God, you know his word, you know the hope, you know the wisdom, you know the righteous ways. There's people all around us. We have a pool of Bethesda everywhere we go with people waiting to hear the miraculous news that Christ gives life hope and peace with the Father. Next, we see a different type of beginning, though. Number two, we see the beginning of persecution and hatred of Jesus. We can't just see one without the other because this is the entrance of a whole new realm of ministry of Christ as Christ is in the public eye now. And although he's in the public eye, the officials, the religious institution, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they will now be publicly actively opposing him and going after him. And, you know, it's just crazy to see why. This man was healed 38 years of an immense disability. He's healed. You know, this man, for 38 years, he might have been laying by that pool, and those Pharisees probably walked by him every single day and saw him and ignored him, and now he's walking with his bed, And instead of saying, whoa, what happened? How are you walking? Instead, they probably wanted to kill him, to stone him, which could have been the the rightful action for breaking the law of the Sabbath. Now, I I must say, this law of the Sabbath isn't one that, that was even right. It was right in their eyes, but they had stretched the law to mean things that it did not need to mean. Hatred grew inside of these men. It was the beginning of the persecution of Christ. Publicly, actively opposing him, even though Jesus in James four twelve we read, he is the lawgiver. He knew the real meaning of the law, and he fulfilled it in all aspects. The purpose of the Sabbath wasn't meant to restrain God, as Mark two twenty seven tells us. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus, he looked to the Sabbath as a blessing for men to have this opportunity to rest from work and focus on worshiping the Lord. It wasn't meant to be a restraint to prevent him from actively showing kindness, compassion on his people. Jesus would not stop his acts of mercy, and neither does God, the Father in heaven, stop. Neither do they cease to act today. God is still showing kindness and mercy every day. So, Knowing all this, how then shall we act? What are we to do? Number three, the final thing to bring it to our life is your new beginning. We have the new beginning in this man that's been healed, the new beginning in these religious leaders who are opposing and hating Jesus. And then we have the new beginning in us, which must lead to righteous living. We're not saved by a righteous living. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by Jesus. But our salvation should still lead to righteous living. It should lead to a new way of living because we know the wisdom. We have the understanding of his word to know there's a better and right way. Jesus said, see, you are well. See, use your eyes, use your mind, acknowledge, notice. You have been made well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. I have four quick final applications to take home to think about One, be healed, be well, accept Christ's call upon your life. Maybe you're fighting him on this. You're struggling with this because you haven't really fully given him your everything. You're holding on to certain things. Be healed, be well. Number two, sin no more. See that you are well. You have been made new, different. You have new opportunities. Stop making excuses. Stop being distracted or losing focus on God and his word. Live according to the righteous ways for the word is a lamp unto our our feet. Just as the man needed not the water, we need not stuff, we need Christ. Jesus says to sin no more, but then he also states that nothing worse may happen to you. You see, the Jews believe that if you're suffering with these disabilities you're in, you, you couldn't walk, you couldn't talk, you had these illnesses, they believe it was due to sin in our life. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But either way, we can definitely see there are definitely consequences to our actions. Go and sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. You know, I, I skipped over one part of my notes. I just have to go back quickly Jesus sought this man out after the healing. That to me is amazing. Jesus didn't just heal that man, walk away, never to be seen again. You see, Jesus wanted to make sure that that man knew who had done the healing and then also that there needed to be a new way of living. Jesus also wants to make sure that we know that we're healed through Christ alone. Nothing else on this earth can heal us. And then once we're healed, once we're made well, stop running back to the same things that make us ill. Live in his ways. Back to number three. One preacher had said this, I liked it. If Jesus were here passing you by today, what would you hope him to do for you? So number three and four, I said this. Number three, we need to ask Jesus for help. If Jesus were to walk by you today, what would you hope him to do? you'd probably hope he'd listen to you. Jesus is listening to us. Normally it's our own pride that's preventing us from just stepping up and asking him for help. One, be healed, be well. Two, sin no more. Three, ask Jesus for help. And finally, four, think as to how you might help others. Stop and see the hundreds around you, the thousands around you, everywhere we go. We have a pool of Bethesda. We have people looking to the passerbys, looking for help. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Let's pray and we'll close in one final song. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for every day we have with the great blessing of being able to come before you, before your throne, the God who forever reigns. And you listen to us. More than that, you save us and you create a place for us in your presence forevermore. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ. And may we go and sin no more. And may we help others and speak with you also. And